0: Lord, we just ask as we gather to hear from you, as we talk about hearing your voice, Lord, we're asking that you would speak to us, that we'd hear you clearly, that your words would jump off this page that that we read, and it would impact us so that we would be different, not just different parents, but that we would be better followers of you, Lord, that we would be disciples first and parents second, so that we could be the best kind of parents that there are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a couple, a couple years ago, this might, seem, this might make you feel a little political, What I'm going to say has no political leanings towards it at all, even though it might make some people uncomfortable. But a couple of years ago, I started thinking about being out at youth camp, um, being in junior high mission trip, being some of these places with groups of teenagers where we, we are far away from police. Let's just say that. Uh, and what made me think about it first was that Camp Collide, uh, the first year we did it, we had an incident where we had a teenager, not from our church, from another church, who was uh, on medication, hadn't been taking his medication, had a mental break, walked off the campus. And the rules are, if you leave that campus, you're, you're going home. And so we ended up having to call the authorities to come get him. And camp is like, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere because it's camp took the officers like 40 minutes to get there. And I started thinking, if we had some kind of emergency, we're all in trouble. And so I started thinking about uh, getting a CHL, a concealed handgun license, just, just in case we were someplace far away and something bad happened, a Sutherland Springs type event or things like that. Started thinking, want to make sure that we're as prepared as we possibly can be. So I went and got that license. And of course, if you do something like that, you also want to be proficient with it, right? There's, there's, it's really not good if, you're, if you have a gun. Just because you passed the handgun license test and you're carrying it, you don't know how to use it, you might end up being more dangerous than the bad guy that you would be hoping to, to stop if you had to. And so I started going to the range to, to practice. Well, my dad is a former military, and so he's proficient around guns. I grew up not really around guns. We were an anti-gun. Home again, military dad, I mean, obviously. Uh, no one was afraid of guns. My biological dad, like, grew up in the country, and I mean, he had guns all over the place. I just never, never interested in him, never really shot him or anything like that, so had to practice. So I go out with my dad, and and so we go to the range, and we get done. The very first time, he goes, man, you're, you're natural at this. You're, you're really good, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool, because my dad's in the army, so I'm probably going to the army myself now, you know, kept doing that some, and then talking with our facilities team. We have a safety plan for the church and everything, and our facilities guy said, hey, you know, I would like you to, you know, continue, you know, being proficient. I want you to go with this guy. I named the guy in the church, and he said, go with him, because he he's fantastic. He could train you well, and so I went out with him, and he said, man, you're, you're really good. Now, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Like, I was like, man, I, I'm like really good, but then I started thinking, like, if you've ever, like, gone to the, the range, like, the, the, the target's like from here to that chair, right? And they're going, man, you're really good. In my mind, I'm thinking, who's not? Like, <laughs> I could throw a rock and hit that. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not that, that far, but anyway, rest easy. I am proficient by two people that really aren't experts or anything like that. If I wanted to be, like, really good, like, like I would love, and of course, he's passed away now, but right before I got the CHL, I read the, the biography, American Sniper, and I read it because the movie was coming out about Chris Kyle. Now this guy is a marksman. I mean, he's not aiming at things 10 feet away. In his story, now he says it was a lucky shot, and I'm sure it was, but he hit a target with a sniper rifle that was 2,100 yards away. 21 football fields. And we say target, I'm talking like a barn. I mean, it was a person, you know, I mean, in a war. 2,100 yards away. If, if you're going to get trained for something like that, like a mark, that, wouldn't that be the, like the guy you would want to coach you up? I mean, I would. We have people, like as we're thinking about things that we're good at, that we would, that we go, man, this is the person that is synonymous with marksmanship. If we were going to be coaching in an area of something we liked, we'd want to be coached by somebody that was synonymous with whatever we, we wanted to do. For example, I'll let you guys talk. If you wanted, because I, I don't know the answer to this, if you wanted to be the best cook there was, and you could have a one-on-one coaching time, who would it be with? I don't, I don't know. It's not me. Who? Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Is that who you'd pick? I don't even know who that is. No? Who would you pick? Great-grandmother. Okay, that's a good one. That, that's close at home. If you got to sit one-on-one with someone to talk investments with you, to look at your retirement, to build a plan, who would you pick? Anybody in the world? No. Who, Donald Trump. <laughs> who? That, Doug, Noble. Doug Noble. Ladies and gentlemen, in the back. Somebody said Warren Buffett. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> He's a hack. <laughs> who needs Warren Buffett? We got Doug in the room. If you could sit with anybody for marriage advice, who would it be? <laughs> Doug Noble. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all of your needs. <laughs> he's, he's not going to come back. Do you have anybody that you go, man, a, a teacher a teacher or author that's talked about marriage, written marriage you've seen? Can you think of anybody? I think we need to do some marriage stuff during the summers around here. Do what? Gary Thomas? Okay, Fantastic. You'd want somebody like that, right? So years ago, uh, not this church, former church I was at, we did this thing called faith training. And it was an evangelism training. It was big, kind of over like Baptist churches all over the place. And it was called faith because the F, the A, the I, the T, and the H all stood for a part of the evangelistic strategy we talked about. But to be a faith church, to be a church that could use that, you had to be officially trained in it. You couldn't do well, I guess you can't say you couldn't, you weren't supposed to do what we did in the youth ministry, which is just get the book, read it, and then teach kids how to do it. You're supposed to bring in somebody who had been like a certified trainer, and they'd been trained by somebody who's a certified trainer, so they could really teach you how to spell the word faith, because most people can't spell that five-letter word all alone, apparently. But as a church, we'd already been doing the youth ministry, the church said, hey, we're going to do it as well, so we're going to get all the entire staff trained. So you can bring in trainers from all over the place. You know, there's regional trainers. There's probably one in every city at the time, big city around. But not us. When I sat down for the official faith training, we had flown in the two guys that had written the book. I mean, like, I got my, my book, and their names are at the bottom, and here are the guys. They're the guys that started it all. So we were pretty well trained, right? I mean, that makes sense. If you had to choose between the guys who wrote it or the guys who were five training generations down, you're gonna take the guy who wrote it. There's this higher level of confidence because when you think of faith training, they're synonymous with it. Let me give you the poster child of it. Give you one more example, just kind of how this matters. My dad, um, about three or four years ago, was diagnosed with ALS. And so we've been on that journey as a family uh, since that diagnosis. And uh, he just went this week to another one of his quarterly doctor's appointments down in Houston. Doctor said that He's doing great and kind of same level, which is what you want. What confidence we have is the doctor that he goes and sees for his uh, like quarterly checkups and the guy that's really in uh, the mix of battling this disease for him is one of, if not the leading researchers and doctors that deals with multiple sclerosis, which is very similar to ALS. So we have a doctor, you know, it's for us as a family... There's a different level of trust, and I think you'd get that, right? When we know that the doctor that my dad sees is one of the major experts. If my dad was just going to see some guy at a hospital and Colleen, you know, that had read a few books and watched a YouTube video about ALS, you wouldn't feel as confident, right? You'd go, man, no, I want somebody better. I want the guy that is synonymous, who's the poster child of understanding this disease. We would want the expert in the field. So as we talk about Hearing God's voice, and you'll have to answer this. This is a rhetorical question. Who do we go to? Who is the poster child? Who is synonymous with the voice of God? It's a question we're going to try to answer today that you can then dive deep in this week, going back into some scripture and also having some family discussions. And what I want to suggest to you is this that if we want to hear the voice of God, then we have to start with. Jesus. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read this passage of scripture. The opening words to this letter. Give you a second to get there. Hebrews chapter 1. We don't know who the author of Hebrews is, that is still unknown. But in chapter 1, verse 1, he says this Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. He says, writing to Jewish people, hey, remember, way back in the Old Testament time, God spoke to our parents and our grandparents, the, those that came before us. He spoke by the prophets. And that would be a pretty fantastic thing if you, if you think back to living in that time, and I'm sure they didn't listen well. I mean, we have evidence that shows <laughs> that they didn't because usually, thus says the Lord, do this or else, and or else tend to happen quite a bit. But they had these guys, Micah, Malachi, Habakkuk, Obadiah, these Isaiah, these prophets that stood up to the people and said, hey, here's what God says, and they delivered as the spokesperson. They were the voice of God. I mean, that, I think we would love that even now today. It really wouldn't help us on a personal level. Prophets rarely just spoke individually to somebody but they would give us answers to some of the hot-button issues that we wrestle with as a culture. I mean, even inside the church, some of the controversial issues. We, we could have a prophet that says, thus says the Lord, and speak on behalf of God about abortion, about same-sex marriage, about assisted suicide, about any number of things that, that we wrestle with that what do we do with the legalization of marijuana? Is that good or bad? Man, it'd be, wouldn't it be great if like we, had this, like we had our own Jeremiah that stood up and said, thus says the Lord, here's what God says, and if you don't, here's what's going to happen? Now, I'm not sure we would listen any, any better than the Old Testament people did, but in, in our minds, we think that's, that would be great. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but we have something better. Because here is, here's the truth. We actually still have prophets today. When to does spiritual gift study? One of the spiritual gifts that comes up regularly is the gift of prophecy. And that is not telling the future, it's not foretelling, it's forthtelling, it's speaking for God. You would hope that a lot, if not all, of your pastors and local churches all across Williamson County would have the gift of prophecy, that they would read the word that in their time with the Lord, that the Lord would speak to them through the word and through his Holy Spirit and go, hey, here's what you need to say to your congregation. I've called you to lead. Here's where we're going. Here's what God is saying to us. We want that. We still have prophets today that that stand up even publicly and speak. But, you know, I joked and said we probably wouldn't listen to them. The reason why I said that is because we don't listen to them. Kind of do our own thing. We still have prophets, but we have something even better now. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that in verse 2. He says, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. He said, we we had prophets. We had the guys that that stood up and spoke on behalf of God. But in the last days, recent times, shortly before the writer wrote Hebrews, we have (coughs) something better. It's not just prophets. We have the son himself. We have God incarnate. God's not just speaking through some prophets. God came to earth, took the form of flesh, and spoke. And so we can get into, and we will in the next couple weeks, hearing God's voice, you know, college level 201. But, but class 101, hearing the voice of God is this. If you think God is saying something to you that contradicts something that Jesus said or did, that's not God. Because foundationally, the very beginning, 101, what we start with, if we want to hear the voice of God, is Jesus Christ, what he said and what he did, because he is God. So there are some things out there. This is going to sound silly when I say There's some things out there that we don't, we don't really need to pray about. I mean, you should. But let me, I, I use pornography as an example all the time because I, I know the numbers. I know the statistics. Like if you're wrestling with pornography or, or, or you're thinking about, hey, should I or shouldn't I? What do I do about it? You, you can save your time. I'm not suggesting you don't talk to God about something you're wrestling with, struggling with, temptation. You should. But if you go, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Should I continue down this road pornography? You're not going to hear something different than what Jesus already said when Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, it's as if you committed adultery with her already. So you're not going to get a different word from God than what he's already spoken. So. I say you don't have, there's some things we don't have to pray about. You, you don't have to waste your time looking for direction in that in prayer. You can pray about it so that God walks with you through the journey, but he's already told you. Lord, what do I do? This person has wronged me so bad. Lord, I have scars all over my heart, my soul, because of what happened to me when I was a kid, <coughs> the way this person has treated me at work, a spouse that, that didn't love me, like I expected them to, whatever it is. God, how what do I do? Can I walk away? Can I hate? Can I get vengeance? Lord's not going to speak to you any different than he would if you were standing there when he was hanging on the cross, and all the people who had whipped him and beaten him, drove nails through his wrist and through his legs, and shoved a crown of thorns on his head. He's not going to tell you any different. Those are all people that wronged him than when he, before he died, said to the father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's already spoken. So there's a lot of things that we go, God, I want to hear your voice. And God's going, I've already spoken. It's in the red letters in that Bible that you've got. That, the, go, go read that because I've already spoken into your situation. The Problem is we spend a lot of time asking questions that have already been answered. And so we have to, we have to this, this week, come to this understanding that we have got to know, if we want to hear the voice of God, if we really want to hear God's voice and speaking to us, we have to know what's already been said. And it's already here. It's already been given to us. Have you ever heard the term white-fonting in the business world? I hadn't. I read about it this week. Pretty interesting. So when, when people are turning in resumes to these large companies, companies that get, you know, the hundreds to the thousands, maybe ten thousands of resumes all the time, they've said, listen, we don't have, some, we're not paying somebody to go through 1,000 resumes. They all start to look the same. They've developed computer algorithms that look for certain words inside the resumes and kick out the top of what they're looking for. So your resume is going to get rejected unless it has certain words in there. So what people did to beat the system when they realized it is they started doing what's called white-fonting. They'd have their resume, but in order to get their resume have some attention, in the blank spots around the resume, the bottom, margins... They typed words that were words that a computer algorithm would look for, and they did it in a white font. So when the resume gets kicked out by the computer is one you should look at, you don't see all the words that the computer might be looking for. It looks like a regular resume, but they white-fonted it to trick the computer so they would get to the top. That's genius. Like, <laughs> like who thought of that? Hire that guy, right? That's the outside-the-box thinker you want for your company. Now, here's the deal. When we talk about synonymous with the word of God, we've got Jesus's resume and he doesn't need to white font anything. Read these next couple of verses with me to see who Jesus is. Here's his resume. I'm gonna go back so we can read it in context with verse one. (coughs) Long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Here we go whom he appointed the heir of all things. Let that sink in for a minute. Not the heir of a mansion or an heir of some land, not even an heir to the earth. He appointed him the heir of all things through whom he also, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Hello. You see the resume of who we're talking about? Jesus, who was the created creation agent Jesus was who created the universe. He is who holds the universe by the power of his word. And and there's a lot of great things, but I love in verse three, he is the exact imprint of his nature. When you look at Jesus Christ, you are looking at God. When you read what Jesus said, you're reading what God said. When you see what Jesus did, you're seeing what God does. And so we go, hey, I want to hear God. God, I want to hear your voice. We need to start with, and, and we'll talk about other ways to hear, but we start with who is Jesus and what has God already said? Because a multitude of our questions are already answered of what we do and how we live and where we go and how we speak, because he is the exact imprint of the nature of God himself. And we don't just have to take the right of Hebrews' word for it. Go to John chapter 12. We'll look and see what Jesus said. John chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, "'Whoever believes in me, "'believes not in me, "'but in him who sent me. "'And whoever sees me, "'sees him who sent me. "'I have come into the world as light, "'so that whoever believes in me "'may not remain in darkness.'" If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me, I lost my page, and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life, What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. When Jesus spoke, it was the voice of God. So what do we do? If we go back, I'll just give you this. The very first thing and the only thing, the only application I'm going to give you is we need to read the Gospels. We need to be familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of Jesus It's it's where they recorded what he said. Now, we don't have everything that Jesus said, obviously. And Jesus didn't speak directly about some of the things that, that we might wrestle with today. But we have everything we need from Jesus recorded in those four Gospels. And so that's, that's where we start. We go back to, and we, we put these devotionals out back. These, I got the February ones, the 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I love those. There's all kinds of great devotionals. My wife. I know one of her mentees, they use one that's on you version, and they can do the devotional together, and then it pops up questions for them to talk about. That's a fantastic thing, too. What I love about the ones that we put out for students, or for parents, is it goes through books of the Bible. Like I said, 1st and 2nd Corinthians through the month of February. You kind of read both of those letters, and gives you devotional stuff to make the Bible make sense. I love that. That's why I put them out there. But if we're struggling with hearing the voice of God, we may need to either take a pause on that or add to it, getting into the Gospels and and, and reading what Jesus said so that we're familiar with what he said because that is the voice of God. I don't know if you're, I try not to tell very many like sports stories. I've already told a gun story, sports stories, the girls, ladies are like, "Oh, let me tell you about Jerry Rice. Yeah. The greatest wide receiver ever to play football. And I say that as a born-and-raised cowboy fan. This is the greatest there ever was. 22,895 receiving yards. Means nothing to you. Let's just call it 23,000, about 105 short. 23,000 receiving yards. That's, he's the record holder. Second place, less than 16,000. That's the gap between first and second. 23,000 yards, to 16,000 yards. He's got more touchdowns than anybody in NFL history. My beloved Emmitt Smith is second, and Emmitt Smith retired 33 touchdowns behind Jerry Rice in second place. Jerry Rice caught 1,549 passes. That's the record. 224 more than second place. 100 catch season will put you in the pro bowl, make you an all pro. He's over two full all-pro all pro seasons ahead of second place. guy's incredible. Now, Jerry Rice was also known, was not one of those freaks of nature. When he did the, the draft, his 40-yard dash time was actually kind of slow. But he worked. And there's been story upon story documentaries made of the Jerry Rice workout regimen. They actually refer to a place outside of San Francisco, about 20 miles from it, called the Hill, which is a hill that is known to wipe out some of the best athletes in in football. That Jerry Rice ran every day to stay in shape. His workouts during the off season—he'd take two weeks off to recover after football season—and then started his regimen back. It was over a four-hour, a four-hour workout every day, even into his 50s, and. Reporters would come and do it. Other football players would come and do it. And very few could even keep up with him for for a day or so. He did it every day. He was the hardest working guy on the field, in the best shape. So when the fourth quarter rolled around and everybody started to drag, he was only halfway up that hill that he'd run every day. Now, here's the crazy thing you got Jerry Rice, number 80, the greatest ever. In 2012, The San Francisco 49ers used their first round draft pick on a guy named A.J. Jenkins. And that's when you go, who? A.J. Jenkins, drafted by the 49ers, got a text from Jerry Rice. Welcome to the team. I'll meet you at the Hill. And guess who never showed? Guess who finished his NFL career with 17 catches? A.J. Jenkins. What a waste, right? An invitation from the greatest to walk in my steps. I'll show you what to do. And he never showed. This is the same thing for us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus are our invitation to know God Himself, to hear His voice, to walk in His steps, to know how He thinks so that we can walk through life better understanding what God requires and expects of us. (coughs) But it's foundational. It's the beginning. There's other things that come, but we don't just jump into the deep stuff until we've got the foundations down. When I was in junior high, I lived overseas. I lived in Germany. And so as a, as a student, I got the opportunity to learn how to snow ski in the Alps. Pretty cool deal, right? I am so scared of heights, I still don't know how to snow ski. Because I got on top of the bunny slope, and it looked like it was straight down, like from the top. And my, my brain saw that and was like, uh-uh, no way. So I literally, as an 11- or 12-year-old, popped the skis off, and put a butt cheek in each ski so that the little prongs would come up and went down as best as I could and did it by and never went up again. I know, I'm not a snow skier. Some of y'all love it. I prefer life. Uh, here's the deal, though. You, you know what you don't do? You, you don't traditionally take a new skier to the Black Diamond, Right? Just whisper right before he goes, Oh, by the way, there's these things called moguls. You'll figure out when you find one. <laughs> we, don't, we don't start at that level. We start on the bunny slope. We start on what's easy. Hearing the voice of God, we talked about last week, we looked at Samuel, practicing, tuning our ears to him. Again, that takes time. The bunny slope for us, where we start, is what we already have Jesus. Because Jesus is where hearing the voice of God starts. So, I don't know what rate you need to do it or what your family can do it because maybe you put a devotional side, you do it as a family, maybe you do it on top. But the challenge that I'm leaving you with this week and to lead your family to (coughs) is to pick a gospel and start reading through it front to back. To know the voice of God means to know Jesus. You're going to have about 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes to talk. There's some questions in the app.